Greetings. Peace and the love of Christ be with each of you. For the third Sunday of Advent, we'll be meditating on scriptures that should lead us to rejoice in the hope and rejoice in what Jesus has already begun, no matter what our circumstances may be. This week's scriptures begin by anticipating and rejoicing in the fulfillment of God's promised new creation. That coming time when creation will have been healed and all created things will have been completely restored and fulfilled. The final chapters of Revelation record John's preview of that coming time. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Revelation 21, 1-5 The first two readings from the scriptures, one from Isaiah and one from Psalms, anticipate the hope of that new creation which John was allowed to glimpse. After commenting on these readings together, I will also read and comment on the lectionary's suggested alternate psalm, Mary's song, which joyfully anticipates the world being set right because of the child in her womb. Then the final two readings from the New Testament, one from James and one from Matthew, are words of warning and encouragement for us who live in this time between times, the time between the new creation, which began with Jesus' resurrection of the dead, and the time which John foresaw when all things will have been made new. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Isaiah 35, 1-10 The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, 
but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Psalm 146, 5-10 Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. To fully anticipate the joy that characterizes Isaiah 35, it helps to remember that in Isaiah 34, God has announced the coming judgment on the nations that have done wrong toward his people. That day of judgment, Isaiah 34, 8 says, is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the recompense for the cause of Zion. In the Old Testament scriptures, as well as in the New Testament, God's people are commanded not to avenge ourselves. But rather, we are to leave vengeance and the demand to be treated fairly in God's hands. In Deuteronomy and in Psalms, as well as in several New Testament passages, we are told plainly that vengeance belongs to God. He is the one who can and will set things truly right. When he acts to do so, it will be seen clearly that we have been wise to give our need for justice over to him. This is why Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 44-45 And also it is why Paul wrote, do not, become over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The promise that there will be a day of recompense for the enemies of God's people, a day when his people will return from exile and take their place in Zion with God's throne among them, is cause for celebration indeed. However, this prophetic celebration points to things that were never fulfilled in the Jews' return from exile in Babylon. Signs such as healing blind eyes and deaf ears and mute tongues were not seen until Jesus came proclaiming to the Jewish people that the kingdom of God, for which they had hoped so long, had at last come among them. We should recall that in Luke's gospel, Jesus announced the agenda for his first coming by reading from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This manifesto echoes themes such as those we have already heard in Isaiah 35 and in Psalm 146. 
Having been anointed with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, Jesus called out to the thirsty whose hearts were dry ground, Come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John 37, 38. John then states that Jesus was talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which God had promised in the scriptures. All who respond to Jesus' call and drink of his spirit, all who are rescued from the kingdom of darkness, are transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, Colossians 1.13. Thus, we've been brought into Zion, into God's unshakable kingdom. See Hebrews 12.22-24 and 28. We can truly celebrate God's salvation and God's present reign in the coming day when Jesus will return and all the accounts will be settled. In that day, the new creation will be fully complete. God's justice has already been revealed in Jesus. In that coming day, his justice will have been established over all the nations. And we will celebrate with the angel and the elders on their thrones who are proclaiming, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Revelation 11:15, New American Standard Bible. Here's what Mary's saying. She'd already conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Jesus had been conceived in her womb. She went to visit her Elizabeth, who was carrying John the Baptist in her womb. The baby leapt in the womb. Elizabeth recognized what was going on. And Mary began to proclaim, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. I want to highlight Mary's song for two primary reasons. First, Mary made this prophetic declaration soon after Jesus had been conceived by the Holy Spirit in her womb. Her song is drawn from the scriptures. Both the quotations and the added praises are grounded in the promises of God. Her song expresses well the hope and expectation of many first century Jews. Second, Mary rejoiced because in her as yet unborn son, the promises were as good as accomplished already, even though they had not yet happened in time and space. However, she was not able to foresee the two comings of Jesus and did not realize that most of the things which she sang would not come fully to reality in time until Jesus' second coming. Her song should be an encouragement and a pattern for us also as we, in our prayers and songs, proclaim the coming day of the Lord as a present reality. Our God is not limited by time. 
from God's eternal perspective, his setting the world right is the reality, even though for us it is not yet manifest in time. From James 5, 7-10, we read, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Yes, from that eternal perspective, the Lord's, the Lord's coming is at hand. Indeed, the judge who will vindicate his people and cut off the wicked is even now standing at the door to set things straight. As the psalmist declared, the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. Psalm 37:28. Therefore, we are able to wait in assured patience with settled hearts. Let's take note that James not only encourages us to be assured about the end, but he also directs us to guard our relationships and not to turn against each other in the meantime. Because we have been reconciled to God, we have also been reconciled to one another in Christ. Now, now we are called to live in the reality of that reconciliation. The times in which we're living have been a cauldron of conflict and disagreement within society at large, within many blood families, and all too often even in the relationships between brothers and sisters in God's family. Guarding and living in the reality of Christ's reconciliation is key to waiting in patience. God's people must live together in the presence, in the present time, in accordance with the reality of the future that's coming, because our God and Messiah has already made peace through the blood of his cross. Colossians 1.20 Matthew 11, 2-11 is our reading from the Gospel. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least 
when the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Waiting patiently is not easy. Waiting is even more difficult when our expectations are high. I remember as a child anticipating Christmas. Not so much to celebrate Jesus' birth as to receive presents for myself. My hopes and expectations kept me on edge, even to the point at least a few times of seeking for the hidden gifts in order to take a sneak peek. Imagine imagine John's predicament. He knew that he had been called to announce that God was about to show up to rescue his people and set his king on the throne, just as he had promised in the scriptures. And John had been told to look for the sign of the Spirit of God descending on the promised one. And he saw it and announced it. But instead of participating in the great liberation and establishment of God's kingdom, John found himself in prison. No wonder he had doubts when he heard what kinds of things Jesus was actually doing. He was understandably impatient, and therefore he sent some of his disciples to double-check that he'd got it right, that Jesus was actually the coming one whom he had been called to identify. Jesus' answer pointed John right back to the scriptures, including the ones we read earlier. The very things Jesus was doing were scriptural signs that God's kingdom had already come among men, even though it had not yet been fully realized. Jesus had not come simply to bring liberation and fulfillment to Israel. Rather, he came to set in motion the liberation and restoration of everything in heaven and on earth, starting with the lives and hearts of those who will believe and receive him as king. If the greatest prophet was perplexed when events didn't unfold according to his expectations, then we also ought not be surprised when God's timing and action does not fulfill our expectations. Rather than rely on our interpretations, including our charts and diagrams of future scriptural events, let us wait in patience by rejoicing in the hope God has given us and by staying on the job to which we've been assigned, like the patient farmer James wrote about until that day when all things will have become new. Rejoice, I say, and again, rejoice in the Lord always.